0: This is Solastalgia. My name is sue Ann Harding.
1: My name is Colin Shaw.
0: And this podcast is a series of stories about accidental environmental activism in Northern Ireland. I first came across the word solastalgia when I was reading Robert McFarlane's book, Underland. And solastalgia is a word that was coined by an Australian professor, Glenn Albrecht, in 2003. And he defines it as a form of psychic or existential distress caused by environmental change. Welcome to episode three of Solastalgia. This episode takes us to Laganlands East, on the right bank of the Lagan River, a little further upstream from Molly Rose Way. And this morning in the studio, we have Drew, who's going to talk to us about his experience of Laganlands East. It's part of the Lagan Valley, which is one of Northern Ireland's eight designated areas of outstanding natural beauty. It's the smallest of these areas of outstanding natural beauty, just 15 square miles, and it's also the oldest designated 57 years ago in 1965. Drew, tell us a little bit about this area and what it means to you.
2: Well, I I grew up in Stranmillis in the 70s and 80s um, and I went to Stranmillis Primary School so I know there's connections there with Molly Rose. In the 70s and 80s, I mean... There was a strong kind of nature club from Strandmills Primary School, the RSPB, the Young Ornithologist Club, uh, and I spent a lot of time and just with my family camping with scouts and cubs. uh, Just had a very outdoor life, but the lagging was kind of my playground as a kid. uh, I was always muddy and cut and grazed and stuff, but... It was my playground uh, with my friends, and I'm still friends with some of them. So so after uni, in the late 90s, I rented a house in Galwally Avenue with friends, which is the other side of the Lagan from Strand Millis, but still the Lagan Valley Regional Park was part of my, my kind of recreational uh, life of just getting out and walking. And then in spring 99, I bought a house up near Tesco's Newton Brita, and I still walk beaver forest regularly uh, to this day.
0: Tell us now also about... What you started to see in terms of some of the changes that were happening around Laganlands East?
2: I suppose, like everybody, during COVID, I was walking more. We were kind of only allowed out for a designated hour. I would occasionally have done a walk through Laganlands East and and kind of whenever the new Gateway Bridge went in at Stramillis in September 21, uh, obviously that opened up connectivity and whatever people think about the bridge it's in. But I was curious about how that linked up would have worked from Annadale and overthrew to, particularly to Stramillis where my parents still live. So uh, I, I kind of explored that a bit more and I was out walking with friends and around, I think it was November 21, I noticed that the groundworks that were developing adjacent to the new bridge and I kind of thought that's a bit of a mess but I thought it was connected like everybody, anybody bumped into. It was like, oh, that's just part of the, the development and the dredging and all that stuff that's going on at the bridge and I didn't think much of it. But uh, late, whenever my son came home at Christmas uh, from uni, we were out walking more and the spoil heap had increased in size. There was a lot more um, churning up of the of the area there and around where the apple trees are. So I followed that through and realised it was from the development, the housing development, which was further to the east. And then whenever I went exploring that, I kind of discovered that some of the paths that I'd used when I lived in Galway Avenue were now closed by building fence. And that's when I really started to sit and notice my. Hold on, what's happening? This is the, the, the pathway we're walking on. is actually a, a sewage pipe uh, that comes across the site, uh, but it forms a natural uh, walkway, which people have walked for many, many years. I know somebody was talking to on Galwally Avenue that walked this path for 40-plus years. But whenever I came down here, uh, we discovered that this was classed as not a right-of-way because the, you had to climb over a, a boundary wall. The wall would just come over. So that classed it as not a right of way, um, despite the fact that people have been walking this for many, many years. So it's just around the legislation, things like that.
1: So yeah, we're already into these kind of arcane rules that if a boundary appears on a map, if it also constitutes some sort of physical barrier that's beyond something you have to step over it.
2: Yeah, that, that was the issue. I mean, even though the fact that it's been really well worn down, and that dogs can go underneath the wall, um, and there's this pathway which is very well trodden, even with the, the, the blocked access, you can see it has been well used. This was, um, when, in the planning application, um, the access officer for City Council um, had said that this didn't constitute a public right-of-way, so that was lost, and that was already part of that submission at that stage.
0: So now we're standing here on top of this little hype that creates a little walkway right. and we're looking at uh one of these new builds
1: it's probably in five bedroom six bedroom standalone mansion almost a big house
0: and it's bordered now with all of these kind of gates and everything so this way is finished now we can't yep, go any go on, further go on forever we're we're on the edge of the housing development the gates are up the path stops here.
1: Galwally Avenue. And to my left is access up to Beaver Forest, but it's also adjacent to a massive gulf course, which takes up all one, one side of that area. There's an access road to the waterworks, the sewage works. And then to my right is a right-of-way down to Galwally Stream, which is now... Well, in you, can't say,
2: you can't say right away.
1: No. It's, it's not access. Right away. It's access. Yeah. So uh, you can see already how it's a real patchwork of sort of co- a comp- very compromised space already. So such as there were areas where people could walk and they were very precious to people, it, it's already a, a mixed use, you'd have to say. So any further losses are, are really, really sorely missed. And the idea you can't even cross the land is just devastating, you know.
0: As we are standing here, you can look up into the tall trees and they are full of long-tailed tits that are just flitting from branch to branch and as you kind of stand still then you see more and more of them and they are up high most of the trees are bare unless they're covered in ivy and the long-tailed tits are feeding off the kind of you know, they're swinging on the ends of the branches and just flitting from one to the other. It's incredibly beautiful, actually.
2: If you, if you stand still and watch, them, they are probably 15, 20 plus.
1: So we're now we're walking through the muddy access. It really has been torn apart because this uh, little area was uh, subject to a police report because. Somebody, it turned out to be the council, uh, tore up about 20 metres by 4 metres of well-established hawthorn trees during nesting season that proved that they were doing exploratory works to see if they can put through a cycle or greenway that would connect Belfast City Centre to the sort of eastern suburbs. So again, we're back to that idea that the pressures on this area are absolutely... Huge.
2: Well, this this area here we're standing in down the bottom of Galwally Avenue was one of the accesses that people were still using when the other that pathway was blocked. And I think it was important to keep that going because people could then see what was happening to the area of outstanding natural beauty. But in April, May uh, 2020, uh, as part of the, the green and blue infrastructure plans, we think, uh, the City Council... Uh, had contractors come in and take out a lot of mature trees along this strip and also the other side without any consultation uh, and again people didn't trust anybody but at, the, at that stage then we were going well this will talk about a four meter wide shared use path an industry standard cycle and pedestrian way I mean this path is what three foot wide it's muddy it's it's natural, and they want to pave paradise and put in a shared-use cycle path
1: and an adjacent car park.
2: And it, well, no, that's not on the plans, but it, it may wait. Maybe
1: all greenways end in a car park. Yeah, we know that.
2: Yeah, but I'm I'm cautious about saying anything that's not mm-hmm. not factual, but Laledity. certainly that uh, after the consultation uh, event where they produced plans for a bridge, uh, a wiggly bridge across this beautiful kind of the the southern meadow of Galwally Avenue where the stream is that then is going to take a huge change in the natural environment here
1: we're going to make our way to the river and crossing that wall which we used to be the boundary wall with the the beaver forest estate and frankly we're back to paradise it's absolutely beautiful here it's a little sort of promontory area we're working down onto the river laggan and the on the other side of the bank is the towpath this side of the bank, which we've called in the past the sort of the dark side or the quiet side, still is. It's absolutely beautiful. There's a, an old derelict fence.
2: We're now at the end of the end of the wall, uh, which was the old Beaver Estate. And we've just crossed over from either the water service property or the city council. But this is now into uh, the southern meadow of Galwally uh, and Laganlands east. But this is in the area that's, um, as far as I know, owned by the developers.
1: And as we know it's an area of outstanding natural beauty. Yep. Which it is absolutely beautiful. Except of course that its aspect has been severely changed by the fact that there are the mansions now, these large private houses, are poking up like two two big eyes. They have the most beautiful view in Belfast and we've got the view of them. It takes away its sort of secluded wild
2: feel. So this whole area here is owned by the developer and they have a vision for what they could do yeah. um, and being clear on that is they're not planning anything but with developers they will always say well if we got the opportunity to capitalize uh, or monetize this land this is what we would do so this is where a lot of people were quite concerned that there was an artist's impression um, of three large mansions on this site here and also then a cutaway in that corner over close towards the river uh, where they could potentially extend the stream to allow for a boat parking. A little marina. Yes, and again, this is what the artist's impression was, but the fact that it was done was alarming for a lot of people whenever a lot of people started digging into the planning portal and finding these reports and going, what's going on? This is just nuts. And then the the area where um, we're, we're heading over to that's another 15, that's kind of a, a, a crescent area uh, with another 15 houses.
1: Standing here now, looking at that map. In some in some ways, it's almost been impossible. I don't want to take in the scope of this mm. because it's just so disturbing. But, but, they, but yeah, the, now, now I get But it. the
2: infrastructure is there. Whenever they plan anything, they'll kind of say, well, if we got planning permission in the future, how would we get access to that site? So it's all planned out uh, and mapped out already if they ever get there. And hopefully this area will never be zoned for housing.
0: I think the shock of standing here, like this old wall is all covered in vegetation and we talked about the birds flitting around and it's really rural and secluded and already the impact of those two houses, kind of they're square and new and just looking across the little valley at us, already it takes away from that. And the very idea that this whole meadow going down to that little stream could be churned up and turned into housing.
2: Sickening. It
0: is sickening, isn't it? Because this is green fields. Like there is built houses on brown fields. Don't come and build houses in an area of outstanding natural beauty. The purpose of which is to preserve and conserve the natural environment and to make it available for informal leisure for people. Like, that is the purpose of it, mm-hmm. not to fence it off and plough it up mm-hmm. for houses.
1: And we're back to the idea just how fragile beauty is, you know, that it's, and how complex it is. So the fact that this was secluded and quiet and private almost did make it extraordinarily special. This little piece of mm. rural, a rural hill in a meadow. It is a proper meadow what we're looking at.
2: And that, that was one of the tensions I had with other people whenever I was trying to say, well, listen, people need to see this. People need to see what is going on so that they can actually make their own minds up. Because a lot of people were saying, well, you're, you're promoting access, you're promoting this cycle lane, you're promoting the tarmacking of this area. And I says, I'm not. But if people don't see what's happening and take action or they're not aware... Nobody's going to do anything, and it'll just go ahead anyway. So it's that balance between getting managed access and promoting promoting that, and, and promoting green space, and promoting this as an area of outstanding natural beauty. And people saying, "Well, you're just you're just in cahoots with the developers. You're in cahoots with the city council. You're you're wanting the, you're wanting this tarmac road. Um, and it, there has to be a balance. And I've always said that this is all about trying to find a balance um, between good access, and wild access, and keeping this place as natural as possible.
1: Okay, so we'll walk now down to the stream, Galawali stream, through uh, a lovely muddy path, quite slippy. On both sides now is lovely grass. In recent memory there were, up until about 10 years ago, a farmer had permission to graze his cattle here. So there used to be cowpats and uh, lovely smells and sounds. But it is very, very beautiful. The stream now, as I said, it's been it was raining all night, so it's really quite full. It meets the lag at a lovely V shaped reed bed where it's obviously a very precious habitat for all manner of waterfowl. I can notice now the stream is indeed murky with the runoff from this, the uh, building site, which is a great pity. But if you don't look at that and just look around, it is very lovely.
0: I love this little bit of Galwali stream because it makes you feel like a kid again, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Just this stream and the way you have to cross over the log and hang on to the tree. And uh, it just is like a tiny little place where you could be yeah. a kid just playing here. And you you were a kid here, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was my
1: playground. Yeah. But of course, the thing is that the joy one has introducing friends to this place and everybody's the same it was me with when i was showing it for the first time wow this is absolutely amazing you know you just pinch yourself that this is here you know it's just absolutely marvelous and it is a, a famous five a blight and Blyton sort of feel <laughs> did anybody bring uh lashings of ginger beer no i bet you did. no i didn't really it's a lovely place of seclusion and In isolation it's absolutely gorgeous so we're going up the hill now the other side the uh, the northern side and to what was once uh, an area where there were rather bizarrely large number of apple trees and a lovely open area of grass nice and flat it was always uh, a lovely space to go go by and in the autumn we had a little family tradition of coming and picking apples and making apple, apple stewed apples. And but now we're at the top of the bank and the, the view is totally obscured by spoil heaps. These kind of rather geometrical mounds flattened at the top, almost impossible to climb with any dignity. Muddy now, but uh, we're going to try this see what we see when we reach the top.
0: Such an alien, weird landscape. To stand up on top of these huge spoil heaps, which have actually been here so long that the grass is starting to grow through the top of them. And then in amongst them are the remains of the apple trees that are almost buried by the spoil heaps.
2: It's a very horrible sight. Um, we're on the uh, the site of the old uh, meadow in Laganlands East, uh, which is outside of the development boundary, and we are looking at the old the old apple trees, which have still got a lot of apples on them, which have been surrounded by mounds of soil, which has been deposited from the development site uh, where they're building houses. You can hear the the machinery working away in the background, and this is. Um, where we put in complaints about the, the actions of developers within an area of outstanding natural beauty. And the planning department from the City Council came back and said, well, they're allowed to do temporary storage of materials during uh, site works. So what we're looking at is apparently classed as temporary storage.
1: We're always trying to remind ourselves that, of course, this wasn't always a meadow. It was previously has been a tip. it was way back, of course, it was a was an area of, um, you know, just fields, I presume. But then it was for a time uh, the Belfast, southern Belfast tip. <laughs> but nature reclaimed it, and it was again. It was really rather beautiful. It's nothing like it is now. It's like a moonscape, or the earth's very red. It's barren.
0: They buried the meadow. Boxed in the
2: apple trees. They they're still in, there, yeah. but they're,
0: they're and, struggling. And it's meant to be temporary but already the temporary nature of it is looking like they are anticipating that they could build on it
2: not anticipating but i mean they they have a vision for potential future use of the site but my understanding is that whenever they bought the the land was 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 bought it was an area of outstanding natural beauty it was within Lagan valley regional park and there has been some suggestion that there's no intentions to Develop this land.
0: Although, as we stand here, there's um, a robin has come up. I love how they always come. They think you've got something for them. They, they. I, I just love how they always come when you're in the garden.
1: Should we gather some apples? Yep. Because they're perfect, absolutely perfect. Let's do that yep. for all time's sake. So
2: muddy. Oh, We're back on city council land, um, unless we just windy, almost secret path is another path, but um, we have just walked uh, regularly and by, by people, uh, by, by footfall really, uh, it's, it's maintained very loosely, but in that sensible wild path, which is
3: just, you're going,
2: to, oh, I wonder where that goes. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole idea of this, that you follow it and you, you, you discover different places. But again, this is what we're, I, I would love to keep things like this.
0: And those little paths were just kind of just made by people walking there, yeah. weren't they? They weren't anything built or structured or anything. They were just trails, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, heavy footfall that... from,
2: from people walking it, from dog walkers and stuff. And I mean, whenever I looked on Apple Maps, it's really clear. And I mean, from talking to people, they've been there for 30, 40 years, which is mixed ownership. I mean, some of that site is privately owned by, the, by a developer. Some of it is owned by city council. And the more I got into it and the more I met other people, I kind of realised that what was happening was within the area of outstanding natural beauty mm-hmm. and, and that that wasn't anything to do with construction of a public facility. It was dumping from a housing site on an area of outstanding natural beauty, which was when I kind of really got annoyed. So then I kind of contacted other people in Lagan Valley Regional Park.
1: And it was a very unusual area because... When we, we've been talking previously about the lag and we've been talking about the towpath side. Because uh-huh. the is has got, one side is was, is towpath all the way up to Lisbon, the other side is not.
2: That's totally wild, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was totally wild. And it was actually very difficult to get, it, to get access. Uh-huh. And it was actually almost, it wasn't landlocked, but it was certainly one of those edges close to the city, but completely secluded, quiet, almost secret. Yeah. And... So for context, you've mentioned this Lagan Gateway Bridge. And that, for a lot of people, was the beginning of a, a new development phase along the Lagan. Yeah,
0: And I think the issue about the bridge as well is that the point about the towpath being on the western side of the river means that the towpath attracts quite a lot of footfall yeah. and cyclists and and lots of people use it. And the other side of the river, the east side of the river, was not developed. And that was very important and continues to be very important for wildlife because there's ducks and herons and kingfishes. Yeah, I mean, if
2: you're walking along the top of Stramillis, the bank you're looking at is Laganlands East. That's right. And all those reed beds and stuff was where, when I grew up, you would have had swans, you would have had little grebes, you would have had coots moorhens. There's not as many now. That's
0: right, and and the east side of the river was, was kind of a haven for them mm. because the towpath was on the western side of the river. So, once the bridge is takes us over to the east side, then those little paths yep. that have been very underdeveloped, just you know a few people using them, not many people really knowing about them, yep. that kind of all set to change with um with with the bridge.
2: Yep. And I mean, that development was kind of pushing through. So it was the the housing development from one side and then the the, the kind of the, the city council development from the other. And they all culminated in this wee tiny spot.
0: Did you look into things a little bit more about what is an area of outstanding natural beauty? Like, what does that actually mean?
2: From, well, from, from what I gather, it's just a notional idea of letters that it doesn't mean much. But I know it's been there from, mm. from before the 70s, before that area yeah. was purchased. 19,
0: 1965 is when it was an area of outstanding beauty. And areas of outstanding natural beauty are actually on par with national parks, but they're not called a national parks because they're smaller areas and so they don't have the remit to be a national park. They have the same kind of legal standing, if you like, of a national park. People are very unaware of what an area of outstanding natural beauty is often where people are not even aware that the Lagan Valley is an area of outstanding natural beauty and then when we discover that we don't even really know what that means like to what extent is it protected but if you look at the legislation and you look at any definition of an area of outstanding natural beauty it's all about you protect and conserve mm-hmm. the nature and the natural environment that has been set aside because it's, it's beautiful. That's right. It's it special work. and it's beautiful and it deserves protection and, and conservation. Yeah. yeah. And
2: it doesn't work. I mean, I'm, I put in a, a complaint to the planning department, the city council planning department who have responsibility for, for planning applications. And the response I get, I've I've got it written down here, the temporary use of land adjoining a development site is permitted under Part 5 of the Planning General Permitted Development Order, Northern Ireland, and as such, there's no requirement for planning permission. That was the response I got to putting in a a complaint to the City Council about the dumping Mm -hmm. of the spoil, which was growing in size.
0: So there is a development here happening where houses are being built. Yeah. And it's called Hampton Parks, yep. yes. And the area we're talking about is the area between that housing development for, lu- the west, for luxury west homes, our, yep. yes, between the luxury home housing development and the river itself, yep. and it's deemed a temporary site, which means that the developer can dump. There are spoil heaps yep. there, and that's what you noticed out walking at because the dumping of the spoil heaps and the huge mounds of earth stopped the access. Well
2: looking at the um the overall satellite maps the the main path across that meadow to the west of the housing development was closed by dumping fairly early on. Yeah. And that just really bugged me. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was an, a normal extension of the path which come down from Arnold Avenue. A shimmy across the stream mm-hmm. to get out to Galwally Avenue. But that's what people had been doing for years. That was closed by the dumping.
0: What did you do then when you realised what was going on?
2: We, well, yeah, walking, you kind of, you know, we'd just chat to other people and sometimes had the dog with me and was just saying, listen, this is a bit crazy. I suppose we were aware that it was happening and then spoke to uh, some of the local councillors, local politicians, contacted them and and got them down to look at the site and they were kind of a bit shocked as well that this was happening in an area of outstanding natural beauty and it was part of their patch. Uh, so I thought it was really important to capture what was happening at the time. So I took a lot of photographs and put that in a report. And I know that by emailing it to people, then it can kind of say, well, actually, that was at that time was timestamp. Yep. And I thought that was really important because the the satellite photographs, the photographs of what was happening on the ground, were pulled together in a photo report, which was sent to councillors, was sent to anybody I could speak to, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. to capture what was there. And then the the kind of councillors said, "Well, listen, this is this is going to be debated. The, the application for the for the housing hasn't gone through yet, so this was going to be debated by the planning committee in January 18." So, I think the weekend before that, we did a litter pick. Just to get people aware of it and to, to look after the area. And then uh, I was given the opportunity to speak at an objection to the development. And I know that another objector, their main focus was on planning for the housing development. Because they were objecting to that. My focus should be kind of the, the whole issue of access and the area of outstanding ultra beauty, to force the issue to kind of say, well, hold on, this is ridiculous. This is happening. On land, and it's it's to do with the interconnectedness of the Stramulus Bridge, that, which cost five million pounds and goes basically from Stramulus to Allerdale Avenue, mm. and doesn't actually connect anywhere else. I knew from doing a a kind of a a forensic study of planning, the the website, Epic yeah. Planning Portal and stuff, whatever you had to um, go in, and any time you downloaded something, it just downloaded it as a PDF. Yeah. So you then had to save it. And, and try and work out that But I looked from doing all those things. I knew that the long-term vision uh, uh, for the development was potentially, if that land was zoned for housing, housing on that site where the dumping was and also housing to the south where there was the... south of the stream and the, the meadow beside Galway Avenue. And I kind of was aware that that was the potential and that if at least the issue of access was flagged then potentially we would be able to get some access across mm-hmm. that that would go straight across where the housing would be. Yeah. But that was all very tentative. I think the whole meeting's three hours, but that's all of the, mm-hmm. the different planning okay. applications that were debated. But I think that section is maybe 25 minutes.
3: Okay, members, that takes us on to uh, item six, which are the planning applications. Uh, and the first one on tonight's agenda is uh, Hampton Park,
4: the site has an area of almost 2 hectares, 1.98 hectares, and is located on lands approximately 50 metres to the south of 35 Hampton Park and approximately 30 metres to the west of 60 Hampton Park, Wally. As for you, in terms of access to the lagoon and access to those, um, you know, area of natural beauty? The purpose of the new bridge that
3: was put in at Stramillis, it was to link um, the, the, the lagoon corridor and I would walk along the the towpath, which is a really, really busy uh, area. I mean, at the weekend, you're always bumping into people. If that was actually formalised, that link through over the bridge, uh, that that's about 400 metres of a, of a strip there. That's being used regularly at the minute, um, but the access needs to improve, but that would actually create a corridor the whole way around the Lagan Valley. So you could walk from Lockkeepers to Strammelis, back up through Beaver Park and
4: it would actually get people into uh, Beaver Park. Um, and the access officer was consulted and confirmed that no rights of way have been asserted within this application site. An additional issue raised by the objections included that the EIA is, determination is incomprehensive to understand. The EIA determination sheet is set out as per guidance and best practice. The AIA screen and rescreen concluded in the yes was not required as the proposal did not have the potential for significant environmental effects. This slide shows the location of Badger sets. Supporting information has been submitted in relation to the impact on ecology, specifically in relation to habitats and protected species, including badgers. And you can see that the badger sets are outside the um, application site, largely outside the application site. I will summarise the consultation responses. NIEA Natural Environment Division raised no objections to the proposal. NIEA were sent the objections that we have received in relation to the ecological impact of the proposal and have responded that they have no additional concerns. Natural Heritage Division have confirmed that they are content that consideration has been taken of the impact of badgers, bats, otters and habitat interest and that the proposal complies with PPS2.
3: The Council's Access Officer has advised that the existing route to Galwally Avenue does not have the hallmarks of a public right-of-way and is unlikely to be asserted as such. So whilst this may be the legal position uh, as far as access goes, uh, on the access from Galwally to Annadale Obankment. The area has been used regularly by the local community, as Domo said, for years. And I, I lived there, so I know it. I am grateful um, that the developers recognise the importance of access from Hunton Park, but I do object to the assertion that access from Galwally Avenue and Beaver Park Forest is not a public right away. Currently, the groundworks have obstructed one of the existing well-used paths in the meadow outside the development area, indicated in red. Uh, This area is used by the local community and other visitors and is central to the the overall plan to link Strammelis area and um, Beaver. So consideration has to be made around access issues in this area to facilitate the long-term plan of the City Council and the Northern Ireland uh, Assembly of the South Belfast Green Commuting Corridor and increased recreational use of
4: the Lagan Valley Regional Park. Therefore, the principle of development is established and considered to be acceptable on this site.
0: The meeting that you spoke at was on the 18th of January 2022. What was the outcome of that meeting?
2: There was a lot of discussion about access and the the kind of linkages through from Stramillis, all that type of thing. So I think there was a proposal that the committee agreed, the the Mm -hmm. committee agrees to defer the consideration of the application in order that officers would investigate whether or not it's possible.
0: It was deferred?
2: It was deferred to allow the council time to actually look at getting an agreement between the developer and the city council that there would be access across the site because had that not happened, the development would have continued on and then the council would have had to apply to the private landowner, to access his across that site, which to me was a nonsense because they spent £5 million building a bridge. But from what I can gather, they didn't have permission for the next bit.
0: Okay, so the application was delayed. Delaying the application by the planning committee meant that there was time to increase public awareness around what was happening here.
2: So that was kind of early January 2022, yeah.
0: What happened next? What did you do next?
2: After the planning committee, that the response to the to the complaint that we put in came back, and that was when it said, I think I've already said that, but I mean, it was the temporary use of land adjoining a development site is permitted under the two thousand and fifteen planning regulations. So again, we were kind of like, what? So this is allowed. This is this is all okay. There was that. Anger and frustration that this is happening in Mm -hmm. an area of outstanding natural beauty in an area of the Lagan Valley Regional Park, which is important to a lot of people. We then started kind of looking at that, and it was the same time as the Molly Rose Way, the trees were being felled in Save Our Lagan. Lagan. It was around the same time I became aware of a a meeting that that was organised now, and I attended that. And there were very similar themes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, even though we were working on different sites, but the common themes of no information about what was happening, about the disregard for the environment that was going on, about the kind of obscure processes that we Mm -hmm. had to try to learn and navigate in order to make uh, a point or find out what was going on. They were very common themes. And also I'm struck even now about the Incremental creep of all of this because it's one thing to talk about those trees going down at Molly Rose Way and the other trees that were lost for the tidal flood. And then we learn, oh, there's this whole other housing development mm-hmm. up further that I hadn't been aware of. That's right, just further up.
2: And it's the implication of, of the, the, the housing development on the Lagan Valley Corridor and the area of its Natural Beauty.
0: They're all connected. The trees felled, the building of the bridge, the landscaping that happened around the rebuilding and the reopening of the lock. With
3: the Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. And the landscaping there. And then the housing development and the talk about the opening up the navigation of the Lagan, like all of these things are actually connected mm-hmm. in that they are all impacting this area of outstanding natural beauty.
2: The thing you're saying about the, the the kind of opening up that in the canal, I mean, that's something that there's an artist's impression, which I came across somewhere in one of the many planning documents, that the South Meadow at Gawali includes a cutaway with the stream's, enlarged to allow boat docks that's the artist's impression and the developer's vision but that's there and that's a concern that wind a lot of people up and I kind of I suppose I step back a little from that because there's a difference between planning and vision and anybody can draw what they want and they can have an artist's impression the important thing is that the planning that was before the planning committee was fact yes and what they wanted to do in future was future vision if the area was zoned for housing but that got very fired up and there were protests and kind of like rallies, not rallies, but walks that kind of were were quite antagonistic. And I kind of was like, not my style. I don't really, I don't like confrontation in that sense. And my approach was very much rooted in fact.
0: And I was always very impressed with that, the way that you assembled facts and photos and was able to make sense of all of these different documents it takes
3: time to it do that It takes hours, maybe
2: forgetting where you stored something or or kind of, oh where was that it was like a 70 page document and there's like two pages that are significant, the really meticulous approach
0: absolutely, and also
2: the banging on people's doors and getting people annoyed and getting people fired up, it's not criticism of another way, it's just it's not my way it's yeah. not my, my approach
1: Can I go back to the time when we first met and we realised we had the sort of a similar concerns about development around the Lagan, And I remember that meeting and when you turned up, I detected a, a very strong caution. This podcast is about how ordinary people have become accidental activists and that, that experience and the obstacles and some of the difficulties people navigate. At those very early
2: stages, I don't know if I would even call myself an activist. Well, it's more kind
1: of—I
2: would—a uh, grumpy old man. <laughs> um, well, He's annoyed about something that that kind of happened on my doorstep. Well, that's great. You're it's right. It's taking an activist in a different sense of the word.
0: But the amount of time that you put into collecting information, making sense of information. Even you put up posters around yep. on the trees and things like that. Which were in, quite
2: often taken down and put back up again and taken down and put back up again.
0: To raise yep. awareness of what was going on because people didn't know or people trusted a bit like we there were was, at the beginning. Yeah, there
2: was the assumption that all of that development was to do with, oh, great, this bridge is going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. The dumping of the spoil was, oh, this is to do with the connection with... Beaver Park Forest. Yes. It's nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. And that's the, that's the concern. It's like the, the assumption is that your council are the people who have your best interests at heart and they're going to do something. They're not. They're tied by legislation, which is ineffective. I know very often, just again,
1: like Save Our lagging, it was the absence of information, public yeah. information, signposting. Well, at, been... at
2: the planning meeting in January, the developers rep talked about discussions between the developer and the council about a path. Now, I'm not sure if that was a path out of the housing development mm-hmm. or a path across it, but there was a hint that something was going on and there was discussion between the developer and the city council. And, that would and he mentioned have the, yeah, he mentioned public. the Parks Department. Mm-hmm. Now, I spoke to the Parks Department and the biodiversity officer and other people, and they kind of went, huh? we haven't been consulted. There's been no discussion about this. We are not aware of any plans to put a big path across this area. And I think it was like the Estates Department or Physical Planning or some other department in the, in the City Council. But that's kind of a big organisation and they hadn't been talking to each other. Mm. And that kind of made everybody go, well, that's a bit sad and scary. That one department can say, yeah, we're looking at putting in a big bridge and yeah. we're talking to the, the, the person who owns the land. But it's on Belfast City Council Park's department and the head of the parks department wasn't aware of it. Around the same time, we also talked about the uh, contact, the Lagan Valley regional parks manager to do a site visit. to gain because they're supposed to be the custodians mm-hmm. and the representatives of the Lagan Valley. And they put in an objection because all of the spoil heaps were around quite invasive species. So it was Japanese knotweeds, Himalayan balsam giant hogweed and they were concerned that this soil was being dumped close to that and potentially it was going to be moved elsewhere. Yes, and Um, and spread. And also the the issues about the the reed beds and how close the path was going to be, potentially.
0: So in May 2022, there was a bit of a public outcry when 50 hawthorn trees were felled in the Laganlands East. We mentioned this briefly in earlier episodes of this podcast, and we also talked in earlier episodes about March 1st being the bird nesting season and how mm-hmm. you are not allowed to cut hedges or flowering plants or anything like that after March 1st.
2: The irony of that one was that they left
0: one tree. They did. <laughs> so apparently if they look and they find some evidence of a bird nesting then they have to leave that one or something. Yeah, but they
2: cut 50 trees, uh, 50 hawthorn trees along that <laughs> Beautiful kind of just tree-lined hedge in that colony. You talked about the kind of the, the semi-wild area of Lands East. That was part of the original bit that was there, and that was mm-hmm. an access path. And, I mean, they came in and they, they chopped down about 50 hawthorn trees. Mm-hmm. Mature. During
0: the bird nesting season, yep. during the flowering season, like yep. this is May that we're talking yep. about.
2: And also the other side as well at Galwally Avenue. There okay. were a lot of mature trees taken down, like maybe 40, 50-year-old And once trees. again, there was a complete... Mystery, because Uh, yeah, total shock. Because we thought that there was a lot of awareness, a lot of discussion within the kind. Now, I suppose the the political reps had got less chatty at that stage, but we thought that I mean, if something was going on, we might be aware. There was so much annoyance and frustration at that point that everybody was totally shocked Mm. that this was city council land and the boundary was quite clear. So it wasn't anything to do with the developer. This was city council land and somebody had gone in and chopped down trees. And it's like with all the talk and all the concern about a four metre wide path and and cycleway and shared use spaces and stuff, people were like, what? Is this where this is going to go?
0: Yes. And this is what I wanted to raise here because it's that issue of trust Belfast City Council and government are meant to be looking after all of this. And we assume, we talked about that in earlier episodes as well, where we assume that they know what they're doing and we assume that they are caring about the environment because they say they are.
2: Some of them are, but that's the interdepartmental working of the City Council. Mm -hmm. That The Biodiversity Officer and Parks Department have uh, an idea that, that, yes, there are concerns about what's happening there. I don't know who they are, the physical projects department or estates or somebody else kind of went, oh, we'll need to access. The irony of that was those trees weren't cut down for a pathway. They were cut down to allow access for an investigation to the site. There were massive caterpillar tractors which were going up and down there regularly. It just didn't make sense. It was insane.
1: The current assumption is that those two sections of Hawthorne were removed as an exploratory work for a greenway. Just adding further pressure to the area. So now we have tidal flood alleviation schemes, private housing, and now so-called greenway, which would connect basically an area of southeast Belfast to more or less the city centre. Yeah, by, it'll, by it'll connect, the,
2: I think the plans or the, the, the talk of, again, being careful about language here, the proposals or the potential is from the dual carriageway around Tesco, Newton mm-hmm. Breda through Beaver Park Forest, down to Galwally Avenue, and then across this area of lands East to link into the new bridge. Everybody assumed that those hit trees were cut down for, and the trees at the Galwally side. I, I suppose because I work in... Healthcare and stuff. I mean, and co-production and consultations a big part of that. I I've often talked about the gunning principles when I've been talking with politicians and and mentioned that. Uh, I think lots of complaints went down about that, but I mentioned that. Uh, in one of my complaints.
0: What are the gunning principles?
2: Gunning principles is uh, a legal judgment in England where there was a, a challenge to a legal decision that was made, and response was that the consultation wasn't appropriate. So following that was, I mean, four main principles, a consultation must be at a time when proposals are still at an early stage. Okay, mm-hmm. You must give kind of reasons. Uh, you must have time to, mm-hmm. to allow for discussion. And it should happen from a kind of white page. It's not a case of, Here's option A, here's option B. Mm-hmm. We think option A is the one we're going for. Isn't that right?
0: Yes. So those hawthorns were cut down in May. People were very, very upset about yep. that and called the police, mm-hmm. called councillors about it. And the response was that then they would have a consultation.
2: That was possibly because, I mean, people have kind of said, listen, your processes are
3: pretty weak.
0: Contrary to the gunning principles where the the consultation needs to be at the formative stage, in this case, we have a... Public consultation. Well, we don't know
2: that. We don't know that because yes. nothing has been put forward to say this is what we're consulting on. But yet there has been discussion which has been mentioned that developers and, and I mean nobody knows what's happening. And that's the really frustrating things. Nobody and knows. there's that yes, okay, there was a consultation in on the eighteenth of June yeah. where they set up a tent for three hours. And they had an online consultation. I suppose part of the questions and that it was quite loaded.
4: Uh, yes. in a way
2: that it's like, do you want a two-metre-wide path or a four-metre-wide path? That's right. Four-metre-wide is over over 12 foot. That's mm-hmm. right. And they're talking about a shared-use path uh, for cyclists and uh, pedestrians uh, across that area. The towpath is averaging two metres. Mm. And again, part of the DFI's plan is to enhance, mm. in their words, mm-hmm. the connectivity from Belfast to Lisburn, which is an 18-kilometre stretch And their proposal is to look at making that four metres wide, that 12 foot of the toe path. Yep.
0: And even in during the exploratory time where they cut down all of these flowering hawthorns and mature trees. So how can we know and trust and be assured that in the making of any path that they do, that they are going to take the environment into account? We can't. We we we
2: just need to keep them. And I mean, I suppose I'm putting my head on the line here, trying to keep an eye on the planning portal to see what what's Mm. next.
0: Yeah, there's really Uh, that sense of um, vigilance. Like it's like you just have to keep watching and keep looking and keep asking because they don't come to us. They don't come to the public and explain all of these things. It's only when. Trees get chopped down and people are upset and then there's a response yep. and then there's a consultation. And I
2: suppose, I mean, in that sense, I mean, during the, with the planning meetings from kind of February, March, April, we were kept up to date to kind of say, listen, there's a planning committee meeting again, the development planning isn't on that agenda. Okay. Uh, or we kind of prepared for that, and it's like it's not on it. Okay. So, I mean, after the, the consultation, the, the tent consultation and the online consultation with the City Council in June, there was a planning committee meeting on the 27th of June
0: mm-hmm.
2: where people were getting ready to go on holidays and people writing about more, so probably weren't checking as much. And that was when the development went, the, the full development proposal went ahead. But part of that was that there was a thing called a Section 76 agreement between the City Council and the landowner about access. But again, that seems to be just access from the development site to Laganlands Lands East and, and making sure that there's public access. And within that, there seems to be some legal potential that the resident committee of that new development um, can object and that there will be a gate or that pathway can be temporarily closed, is my understanding. Mm, that's right. So again, that's only about an access yeah. from the development into Laganlands East. Doesn't appear to be anything about where the path's going to mm. go um, and that that's where you just need to keep an eye on the keep so an eye on the planning portal
0: I remember hearing though about that planning committee meeting that happened in June and how permission was given for the development of the housing, yep, development, housing to, development to yeah. go ahead and the feeling of for all People's protests and objections and participating in the system of raising objections and protesting, it seems not to make a difference. I think
2: from trying to navigate the processes, there's very specific things you can object to. They call them material considerations. Mm -hmm. If you list some of the stuff in the planning meetings, I mean, people will be talking about... Acronyms and this and that. Mm-hmm. Planning commission numbers and there's things. It's very specific what you can object on. Mm. And yes, there were over 400 objections to the development. There's two sides to it. There's the housing development. Yes. Um, and I suppose all the objections were about that. Yes. But a lot of the frustration was about the housing development and the surrounding impact. Yes. That's not considered. It's
0: not. It's considered. nothing to do
2: with it because they only consider the plans that are put before them. And all of the spoil and all of the dumping and all of the the, the blocking of paths and stuff, that's not material.
0: And That's not a
2: consideration for the planning committee because they can't, because they're bound by the legislation to only consider the facts. Yes. And this is really frustrating because the facts are that, yes, the the paths have been closed by 10 foot high spoil heaps. Nothing seems to be...
0: there's no... Ob- there's no frustration. Yes, mm. and there is no avenue of objection to that. It's true, too, that the housing development each is in sections and each section of the planning permission is 1.98 hectares because, is that correct? There's something
2: about it, yeah. I don't know what the stats are, but there's something about planning applications over a certain area Yes, have to have a 12-week public consultation before a planning application is even submitted. And by, by nibbling... If it's by underneath, yeah. below
0: that... Yeah, um, it just goes through the normal planning It just goes through. So instead of putting in one planning application for four hectares, for example, yeah. they put in two planning applications. Each one or is lots of, 1. Or lots 1.98. Of, yeah,
2: lots of kind of planning applications when in total yes. would be well over the, yes. the, the requirement for a 12... 12 uh, week public consultation the likes of I mean the, there's a big development going on at Mona Bypass them, and it's massive like 500 houses I assume that was all planned in one go whenever you're putting in submitting smaller planning applications for changing in site for 5 houses and then erection of 18 houses and then changing from townhouses to Luxury, massive detached houses—they're mm. all just overlapping, and again, it confuses the process mm. because you need to—you need to be really switched on. and You kind of—it's that chipping away. It's like, God, oh, I have to do this. again. what's this one? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that sense of vigilance where you have to keep up and read, and even writing letters. We wrote letters to various councillors and things after the Hawthorns were.
2: Lots of promises
0: are made. Yes, and then nothing happens yep. or or we don't know what happens. And meanwhile, those spoil heaps are getting bigger, bigger yep. and bigger. <laughs> they are drowning the apple trees, yep. even just the churning up of the land. There. And that's the old
2: dump. That's the old public dump from Belfast. And you'll be wandering around there and you'll come across glass bottles and, and fairy like, I mean, there's some fantastic plastic fairy liquid mm-hmm. bottles from the 60s, like one day or whatever. You'll come across batteries and you don't know what's there.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's strange... being
2: churned up. Yes. It, it's not good churning that up. It's not good for, for the soil. And, and, and as you said, ironically, they've left the apple trees that are there. From seeing the artist's impression of, of the potential for that site, they clearly want... The path to be as close to the river as possible, mm. which maximises the future potential for that site. And I think what's happening at the minute, the banking that is being put in may well be left. It's not temporary. That will then kind of create the visual screen so that Joe Public can walk along the back of that bank. What height would it be at the minute? Ten foot? At least? At the
1: very least, yeah.
2: So that kind of creates the visual screen where the people in those big mansions will be looking out the back garden, have a nice slope, mm-hmm. which will go up to trees. Yes, and the back of that will be where the path is, and it's all within planning legislation. This is within an area of outstanding mm. natural beauty.
1: Privatisation of a small part of that small area of outstanding natural beauty.
2: But but it's not the privatisation. It's that was bought for for potential development when it was part of Lagan Valley Regional Park. Mm. When it was part of an area of outstanding natural beauty. That wasn't put on afterwards.
0: No. Mm. What and was it?
2: You said it was sixty. Yes. Yeah, so
0: nineteen sixty-five is when the area was designated as an area of outstanding natural beauty and in 1967 the regional park was created with the remit to care for it and and to look after it. That's 57 years ago Mm -hmm. that it was created and the 60s were not an easy time to be living in Belfast and I am very impressed that even during that time people took the time and made the effort to look around them and acknowledge that this was an area of beauty and that it deserved to be protected. Yeah, yeah. And it's very special because it is so close to Belfast and people do have access to it. So it should be protected. Well and... that
1: goes back to that the Lord Mayor's tree. That act of you know planting a tree or, or establishing an area for the public that's green is sort of an intergenerational pledge that they did it for the future of course and this is where people are hopefully will be joining the dots across this podcast is that this generation is singularly failing to uphold those yeah and I misspoke that's,
2: that's something I wanted i mean to to be able to kind of say you know what i tried i tried my best so that my kids and my grandkids will hopefully be able to kind of enjoy that space Yes, it won't be as wild as it was. That's gone. It's been trashed by the city council with the Teletubby Hills with the overdevelopment of, of a beautiful natural site. And the likelihood is that the meadow that's being dumped on at the minute mm-hmm. could be landscaped the same way. Hopefully, I mean, we can we can at least keep that in public. I mean, it's in private hands, mm-hmm. but hopefully we can keep it in public access and limit the encroachment of development towards the, the lagging because... That's a potential long-term vision for that site, if land zoning has ever changed. And mm-hmm. um, but that links in with all of the stuff that's happening with the Lagan navigational canal and, and and the discussions about that, which is potentially another podcast.
1: The deck is stacked against the the citizen, the individual, pretty much, um, because if we go back just to the these multiple pressures, that all of them are public goods. So, well, the housing would be private goods, but the tidal flood alleviation. That's a public good. The Greenway is a public goods, And so all of these agencies, public agencies, are, are acting.
2: Oh, they've got great PR on their side.
1: Indeed. And yeah. very often these are also sort of climate change mitigation plans. So very hard to object to in the mm-hmm. face of it. But the cumulative effect on this Lagan Valley is clearly just another pressure. I often sort of think that maybe the secret plan is in the name. Now it's called the Noah dunhu Bridge yep. in, in honour of the, the boy who was found dead. But it's called the Lang... It's the gateway. gateway Bridge. So gateway to what? To what? <laughs> it's a gateway to something. It's, it's a very suggestive. Uh-huh. And that was the first block. That was the first element of, of plans aren't public. In the absence of proper information and consultation, the rumour bill starts to run. But clearly, Lagan Valley Regional Park is in peril.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I... I... Enjoy kayaking and canoeing, and I would use the the lagging for that for recreational use. But I don't see a whole load of uh, motorboats stacked up, kind of saying I want access. Mm-hmm. And it's that balance of if you allow that to happen. Really, how many uh, how many boats have been through that lock?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: None. I, I well, mean, the, the river no, warden. Yes. No, there's um, been none. There's... And if if, if if yes, okay, that's part of that. But it's it's the whole concept of then opening up the lagging to, to Lisburn and is it needed? Is there any consideration going to be made of the environmental impact of, of all of the cuts and all of the locks and the infrastructure and the changes? It, it'll be good PR because, oh, the blue way and the green way and stuff. Exactly,
1: But there's no requirement. The amenity value of the va- yeah. of the valley and the river will be greatly enhanced by having motorboats and, you know, for the uh, few. car parks. And yeah, but motorboats and for the few cafes. who can afford of them. Of course.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, we have yet to see any responsibility shown towards the environment mm-hmm. at every step in, in your concerns or our concerns with the housing development, with the greenway, with the bridge, with the trees, with the tidal alleviation, flood scheme, all of these things happening within the Lagan Valley, an area of outstanding natural beauty. The environment, the habitats, the biodiversity mm-hmm. are not... Taken yeah. into consideration. Completely invisible. Absent.
2: It's an afterthought.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can I just ask just one last question? And that is, where are you at now? Like, how do you feel about the whole thing now? What are your feelings about, we say you as an activist, about continuing to be an activist? Where are you at now?
2: I suppose I've learned a lot in less than a year. Uh, about what it what how to approach things and what it would do and what it wouldn't do. I guess keeping an eye on planning the planning site to see what's next uh, is something to try and do regularly. A lot of the things have already happened. So that the planning of the housing is going ahead. That's that's been approved. It's just keeping an eye on the site and trying to trying to see what happens next and keeping in contact with the the city council whenever the house is built, to see what happens. I'll keep going back to that thing from the from January 2022. The temporary storage of materials on a site adjacent to development is allowed. But how long is temporary? Yeah. And what happens? And will the City Council have the balls to kind of say, you know what, all of that storage was temporary, so you have to put that place back to where it was and the way it was yes. before you started trashing it? Yes, I don't think that's going to happen. That's my big concern because people forget how long is it going to take to build the houses—two or three years.
0: And there's different ways to be an activist, and I'm actually reassured that if I'm not looking at the planning portal, that at least you are. Mm-hmm. You know that somebody every so is, often yeah it kind of taking... comes up on the calendar reminders. Yeah. <laughs> that somebody is taking care, and that's that kind of collective activism. I think that's really important. That we can't all do everything. But if each one of us is doing our little bit and even if it is just staying on top of that one thing, like what's going to happen to that so-called temporary site yeah. and keep on asking them about what happened with the hedges and where's the public consultation and all of those kinds of things, then at least we can feel that you're taking care of that little... Oh,
2: thanks for, that. Thanks for the responsibility on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> okay.